Welcome to our daily portion with WIT Ministries. I'm Matt Russell, and I'm the director of WIT Ministries. And at Walking in Truth Ministries, we want to help people to be able to live a more God-centered, God-focused life and uh, in every aspect of their life. So the purpose for this podcast is for us to really strengthen our biblical discipline of reading the Bible. So I'm going to read a scripture every day where I'm going to share a nugget about that scripture. And then I'm going to say a little prayer at the end. And that will be the entirety of our episodes for this podcast. Uh, Please feel free to check us out at walkingintruthministries.org. Or you can also check out our other podcast, which is Living the Wit Life with Walking in Truth Ministries. I hope that this podcast blesses you as much as it blesses me. And uh, let's go ahead and get started with our daily portion. Jesus and Jiu-Jitsu is a ministry, it's events, and it's a podcast, all focused on building community and fellowship around Jesus and great Jiu-Jitsu. We were birthed from a Walking in Truth event called Pursuit. Four of us left one of these men's pursuits and the Lord all gave us the same download to create Jesus and Jiu-Jitsu. We've started by doing local events in North Texas. We're slowly but surely expanding those events to other markets across the country where we bring in professors and instructors. We learn awesome jujitsu techniques. We hear a testimony about the gospel. We give away free Bibles. We offer prayer and then we train hard. On top of this, we have a podcast that has really taken off that we have a lot of fun with. Look us up on all platforms. We love walking in truth and we appreciate the affiliation with them and the covering that they give us. Thank you to all the leaders at Walking in Truth. Everyone at Jesus and Jiu-Jitsu is truly appreciative. Genesis 47, Jacob's family settles in Goshen. Then Joseph went in and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brothers and their flocks and their herds and all that they have have come out of the land of Canaan, and behold, they are in the land of Goshen. He took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? So they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, both we and our fathers. They said to Pharaoh, We have come to sojourn in the land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now, therefore, please let your servants live in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is at your disposal. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them live in the land of Goshen. And if you know any capable men among them, then put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many years have you lived? So Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my sojourning are one hundred and thirty. Few and unpleasant have been the years of my life, nor have they attained the years that my fathers lived during the days of their sojourning. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt. 
in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had ordered. Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to their little ones. Now there was no food in all the land because the famine was very severe so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. Joseph gathered all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. When the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food, for why should we die in your presence? For our money is gone. Then Joseph said, Give up your livestock, and I will give you food for your livestock, since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them food in exchange for the horses and the flocks and the herds and the donkeys. And he fed them with food in exchange for all their livestock that year. When that year was ended, they came to him the next year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that our money is all spent, and the cattle are my Lord's. There is nothing left for my Lord except our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? By us and our land for food, and we and our land will be slaves to Pharaoh. So give us seed that we may live and not die, and that the land may, be, may not be desolate. Result of the famine. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for every Egyptian sold his field because the famine was severe upon them. Thus the land became Pharaoh's. As for the people, he removed them to the cities from one end of Egypt's border to the other. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had an allotment from Pharaoh, and they lived off the allotment which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore they did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have today bought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now here is seed for you, and you may sow the land. At the harvest you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four-fifths shall be your own, for seed of the field, and for your food, and for those of your households, and as food for your little ones. So they said, You have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's slaves. Joseph made it a statute concerning the land of Egypt valid to this day that Pharaoh should have the fifth. Only the land of the priests did not become Pharaoh's. Now Israel lived in the land of Egypt in Goshen, and they acquired property in it, and were fruitful and became very numerous. Jacob lived in the land of Egypt seventeen years, so the length of Jacob's life was one hundred and forty-seven years. When the time for Israel to die drew near, he called his son Joseph and said to him, Please, if I have found favor in your sight, place now your hand under my thigh and deal with me in kindness and faithfulness. Please do not bury me in Egypt. But when I lie down with my fathers, you shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And he said, I will do as you have said. He said, Swear to me. So he swore to him. Then Israel bowed in worship at the head of the bed. It's amazing how you can see just history repeat itself over and over again. Here in Egypt, um, you can see that Pharaoh didn't go and fully take advantage of everyone, but it was the circumstances in the um, world at that time that allowed the advantage to be given. So Pharaoh 
because of his dream, because Joseph, Joseph, who, of course, is a godly man pursuing God, uh, God's blessing, everything that Joseph's doing because of his faithfulness. And that has led to Pharaoh being blessed through the process. Well, it helped that, you know, they knew there's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. So they took during the times of plenty to save up for the times of famine. But as you're approaching the end of the years of famine, you can see that all of the people of Egypt and, and the nations around them, they'd run out of money. They'd run out of anything to be able to bring and to actually purchase. They had nothing of value, uh, monetarily speaking, but they were able to come and get more grain. So they're facing death. They're facing starvation because there's still this famine going on. So they go and and then they, they say, hey, we can give you our livestock. You know, right now, our livestock, we can't even feed them. We can't support. We, the land isn't even producing for them to be fed. So we'll give them to you. You who have plenty can take care of them and then just give us food so we can survive in this process. So they did. They handed out the money or they handed over their livestock and they got once the money was gone, they handed over the livestock and they got food to be able to survive. And then they come back and say, well, now it's still not over. You got all over. We've got nothing left. We've got nothing left to give you except for the land that we live on. And so they said, that'll work. All the land. All the land that you live on and themselves. So it was the property and their lives were handed over to Pharaoh. So Pharaoh did not go out seeking so much power that he owned all the population necessarily. But through this process, all the population and all of the land was given to him. So he, he had total power. In fact, it says that it started a tradition then because of this, that one fifth always goes to Pharaoh. So one fifth. So even after the Exodus and all this stuff, one fifth. So God calls for a tithe, the tenth, to go to his storehouse. Well, Egypt calls for a fifth to go to basically the government, the ones who are in charge. So anyways, that established really the true first government ownership. Um, I mean, they had other up to this point, but in Egypt, now the government, the powers that be, which is ruled by a single pharaoh. So the royalty, in essence, and whoever he puts in power have 100% full control over all the people and all the land. And then you have later, generations later to where after the, the Israelites, uh, after Joseph has died and, you know, Jacob's of course died and Joseph dies. And then those generations, a new, a new um, Pharaoh comes that doesn't even know Joseph. had never met him. Still totally just, 
enriched in all this power. Just think of that. How God really saw this all take place. God's hand was not causing, but he's allowing the circumstances to, to get in there to bring about what he needed. His desire was for his people to be in bondage. Not that he did it because he wanted them in bondage. They've they've really earned the consequence of being in bondage. But what he did is he allowed them to get into bondage so that he can then show his might and free them. So it may not always make sense why good things happen to bad people as it happened here. But I try not to question it. I try not to sit there and just focus on why, because really that causes me to um, really to envy. And I, I know I know that God's word says I should not be envious. So I don't want to be the judge. I don't want to sit there and look at someone and say, oh, well, they don't deserve. How, who am I to say what they do or don't deserve? And unless they've brought themselves under the authority of the Bible and said, I am a follower of Christ, then I have no measure to, to judge them by. Once they submit themselves to that authority, then I have the same measure that I am judged by. But until then, no, I'm just supposed to love on them. And part of loving is even celebrating their victories that they may or may not deserve. I'm excited that when I go to help someone who may not be a believer, that they get to reap some benefit because I am. I am a believer and I'm going to follow Christ. And I want to have a life that reflects Jesus. And so in that pursuit, there are going to be some people who end up benefiting who might have not deserved it. Praise God. Hopefully it leads to them knowing God. So Father, let your presence, let your love, let your glory, let everything that you are, let it just come through and reflect on the blessings that you've poured over us. That as our cup overflows and it helps to, to splash over on other people, that that can be nothing but your glory that they see. Father, I pray that those people who are lost would just at least start to wonder and question at minimum that they can come around and ask uh, those of us who are Christ followers and believing and living, that they can say, why is your life like this? That we can answer, because God. And we could give them the good news. And Father, I'm thankful for every time that someone's come up to me and, and asked, why are you so happy? Especially in those times in my life that I shouldn't, where I've had struggles, I've had problems, and I've, I'm so thankful that those people just came and asked, why am I so happy? Because you've allowed me to answer because I have joy and then share with them what joy really means and then led them to be 
followers of Christ. Father, let that be just, let, let it be something that is the fruit of the lives that we live, that more people know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you concerned about what the future holds? Are you confident that the retirement plans that you have today will still be secure tomorrow? Let us help you by clearing up the uncertainty. This is Matt Russell, the director of WIT Ministries. Many of us at Walking in Truth Ministries are bivocational, working in our ministry as well as in the financial services industry at WinBig Financial Group. We help people to build a tax-free and risk-free retirement. Give me a call at 817-903-2575 to support our ministry and to secure your family's financial future. Again, call today at 817-903-2575. Thank you and God bless. Thank you for joining us today, and I hope that uh, that blesses you, either as an individual or uh, with you and your other loved ones. Uh, maybe this is uh, something that you're utilizing to to spend with your family, uh, some time around God's Word, and uh, of course, that is great. I love that, and I'd love to hear how uh, the Daily Portion podcast is blessing you. If you would, just go to our website at walkingintruthministries.org. And um, go on there and just drop us a little note about uh, this podcast or one of our other podcasts, or even just check out the events that we have available. Uh, But again, thank you very much and look forward to seeing you again tomorrow as we dig into our daily portion with WIT Ministries. God bless.